Here's Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple truth about salvation. Often we try to think we can convince people into the kingdom and we start giving them all kinds of different manuscript evidence, scientific evidence, and all this stuff. Now God may use some of that, but don't be deceived thinking that you have convinced someone to be a Christian. That person comes to Jesus Christ because God has rent their heart, they've been convicted of their sin, they see themselves as they really are, and they call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Now, if you've ever seen a high-wire act, you quickly appreciate the need for proper balance. Well, in the same way, the Christian life is all about proper balance. Today, Pastor Xavier shares how important it is for the church to have balance in all aspects of ministry. Now, let's join him for this provocative study from the book of Matthew, appropriately titled, The Ministry of Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. We want to look at what the Scriptures teach regarding the ministry of Jesus Christ. As we look to the church today, we see many different facets of ministry, various um, emphasis on ministry. But as we look to the Scriptures, we see that Jesus had a balanced ministry. He gave emphasis to three aspects of ministry, which overall covers all of the needs of man. As you know, he has began his ministry of preaching, concurrent with John the Baptist. Then he went on to teach his disciples. Coming down from the Sermon on the Mount, beginning chapter 8 and chapter 9, you have a series of ten miracles. As Jesus comes down from the Sermon on the Mount, He not only exemplifies the model of the kingdom through His person, but He demonstrates the power of the kingdom through His ministry. Notice in verse 35 of chapter 9, after these ten miracles, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. This is the ministry of Jesus. Preaching, teaching, healing. Teaching is mentioned first. But we're going to take them in that order. Preaching, teaching, and healing. Again, turn back with me to chapter 4. Verses 12, when Jesus had heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt at Capernaum by the sea there. And he quotes the prophecy that was spoken about in the Old Testament about coming to the Gentiles and bringing light to them. And in verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus began to preach the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. This was the first step that we see in the ministry of Jesus. As he preaches to those 
who have not the light of Jesus Christ, those who are sitting in darkness, those who have no idea about spiritual things. They may be religious, but don't confuse being religious with being spiritually aware. There are two different things. And we confuse that today thinking because people say, well, I believe. Well, what is it exactly that you do believe in? Is it the gospel of the kingdom or is it religion? And so the preaching takes a precedence, a priority to reach those who do not know Jesus Christ. But notice also that Jesus went about teaching. He goes on to chapter 5, all the way down to the end of chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And as we have spent some time there, we see that Jesus began to teach His disciples, not the multitudes. Please make that a clear understanding. There is no way that an unbeliever could understand, could even cope with, or even think that he could fulfill what is said on the Sermon on the Mount. He's incapable of it. He's spiritually dead. And so in these chapters, Jesus taught his disciples about the things of the kingdom. But as he came down from the Sermon on the Mount, from chapter 8 down to chapter 9, to where we're reading, Jesus healed all manner of sickness and disease. He didn't put any limitation on any one thing. But again, the emphasis is preaching, teaching, healing. Often you may have an experience in a ministry where there is a great emphasis on one of the three. There are churches who are tremendously evangelical, evangelistic. They preach, and God certainly has blessed them with evangelism. Multitudes come, they hear, they get saved. And that's legitimate. But what I want to see is, how long do they stay? There is very little maturity that goes on in a church that is primarily focused on that alone. Please mark that, that alone. A lot of activity, a lot of people, but not much depth. When you have a church that emphasizes teaching alone, then you have a church which is very structured, very mature, academic, but somehow there is no real life in the church. It is methodical. It is consistent. But the people have lost the vision for the loss. There's no heart for evangelism. Or they study it in Scripture. But they wouldn't dare do it in life. Then you have other ministries that are so emphasizing healing they will tell you that everybody should be healed. That you should be able to lay hands on somebody, pray for them, and they should be healed. And they'll go through all kinds of different reasons why people aren't healed. And at times they attempt to use these miracles for evangelism. Nowhere in Scripture are we taught that miracles were to be used for evangelism. My Bible says that signs and wonders followed the disciples and they did not follow them, the miracles. That is not scriptural. 
The end does not justify the means. Because remember, we study on the Sermon on the Mount. They said, Lord, in that day we cast out demons, we prophesied. He says, I never knew you. So signs and wonders do not mean that you belong to the Lord. Nor do signs and wonders mean that the Lord approves of your life. If God seeks by His own sovereign love and will to move upon an individual or a group of people to touch somebody physically or miraculously, it's only God's sovereign love. It has nothing to do with our worthiness because who is worthy to receive from the Lord? It's just God's love as He moves upon us. And so we see in these chapters alone the very pattern that our Lord follows. He's made this statement once before in chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew tells us, Now Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. And so twice we have it in the gospel of Matthew. Now, whenever the Lord proclaims something once, we should hear it and pay attention to it. But when he says it twice, mark it well. I believe that every church should have a balanced ministry like Jesus Christ. Nobody is exempt from being extreme or being lopsided. These three ministries can be looked upon as a three-footed stool. That three-footed stool is only stable as long as it has the three legs. You remove any one of them, and it will not stand. And a ministry that is going to be productive and effective for Jesus Christ must have an area of preaching, an area of teaching, and an area for healing. Now, let's look at preaching first. Notice that he says here, as well as in chapter 4 there, that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The word preaching is the word caruso. It's the word that is associated with a messenger sent by a king. The king would send a messenger out and declare a proclamation. It was the king's message. The man went out with the king's authority. His responsibility was only to proclaim and to expect a response. He was not to mess with the message. He was not to try to persuade or to convince. He was just to proclaim. Though we must understand that in preaching, there is a sense of trying to convince and persuade. But we do it because we know the terror of the Lord and we know the anguish that awaits those who do not know God. It's the love of Christ that constrains us, not the desire to have a notch on my belt, not the desire to have a church that is bigger than someone else's, but because I know the wrath and the judgment that awaits those who do not know Jesus Christ. They're lost. And so preaching is to the lost. But it's funny how at times we think that people who are really evil are the only ones who need to hear the gospel or be preached at. You remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus and says, Good master, what must I do to gain eternal life? He says, well, keep all the commandments. He says, I have for my youth. He says, well, now, go and sell all that you have and go give to the poor. And the scriptures declared that he walked away sorrowful because he had much riches. Jesus was trying to demonstrate to him that his greater sin was 
his love for himself. You see, all the commandments that he gave to him to do, he had done. But see, then he says, go sell all that you have. He showed him who his God really was. His riches. Now, Jesus didn't want his riches. He wanted his heart. But before he could have his heart, he had to reveal his heart to him. And God has chosen, as Paul says, by the preaching of the gospel, by the foolishness of preaching, not by the preaching of foolishness. Please mark that well. By the foolishness of preaching. The method by which where a man would proclaim the proclamation of God, that God is able to save man, and that he's able to forgive him of his or her sins. And that a man died 2,000 years ago and he became literal sin for you and for myself. And that by dying on the cross, every sin was able to be forgiven. Now, to the Greeks, that was foolishness. And yet God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save the lost. The gospel of preaching primarily says that God is holy. He's of pure eyes and to behold evil, Habakkuk says. The psalm says that the heavens are not pure in his sight. You know, sometimes we think we have a white shirt and we look at it and say, well, that's pretty white. And then we get a new shirt and we put it right next to it and says, man, that thing is not that white. And really, whiteness is only in relationship to a comparison. And when we compare ourselves to others, then we usually pick someone who's worse than us. Because we don't like to be humble, we like to be exalted. And so the gospel gives you a clear picture of God, he's holy. And then he gives you a clear picture of man, he's sinful. Now that's a hard truth to swallow in today's world. It never has been easy, but certainly in today's world, it's more difficult. Because we are constantly being told how good we are. How smart we are. How we need to love ourselves. How we need to appreciate ourselves and how good man is. But if we're so good, why is our society and our world so messed up? You see, the theory is inconsistent with the evidence. The evidence goes against everything that the theory declares. And so the gospel declares not only the holiness of God, but the sinfulness of man. Those two things must be embraced and agreed upon with God. There is no negotiation whatsoever. You cannot come to God and bargain and say, well, I really wasn't that bad or I'm not that bad. No, God says, you're bad. You're real bad. Now, this preaching is exemplified in the Great Commission. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, 19 through 20, it says, Go to all nations and preach and make disciples of them. And this is the responsibility of the church, to preach. It's not the purpose of the church. We'll get to that later on. It's the responsibility of the church. As we said in this community of Pasadena, our responsibility is to be a light to Pasadena, to be salt in every way possible. And as he opens doors, whether it be through door-to-door evangelism, through street witnessing, through concerts, through whatever way. There's various ways that the gift of evangelism and the ministry of evangelism can take place. Certainly one of the ways is through the pulpit preaching. And remember, as that herald goes out and proclaims with that message from the king, 
He expects a response. Whatever the response is, it's either an obedience or disobedience. There's no other option. The edict goes out, the proclamation is made, and now the citizens are responsible for that message. As preaching goes forth, we are told in the scriptures by Paul in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He says, if a preacher is not sent, how will they hear? And if they don't hear, how will they believe? And God has used the preaching method to steer in the heart of men that faith to be saved. It isn't something we have. It isn't something we cultivate, but it's God's miraculous work upon the heart of one who does not know God, and he begins to give him the understanding of his spiritual condition, dead in trespasses and sins, separated from God. And then he gives them the understanding that God is holy, he loves them, and he's died in his place, and he loves them, and he wants to save and able to save. That is the miraculous work that goes on as preaching goes forth. Something that we can't understand, something that we cannot manipulate, something that we cannot do of our own nature or our own ability. That is the work of the work of God with the Word and the work of the Spirit of God. Often we try to think we can convince people into the kingdom when we start giving them all kinds of different manuscript evidence, archaeological evidence, scientific evidence, and all this stuff. Now God may use some of that in in the process of ministering to them, but don't be deceived thinking that you have convinced someone to be a Christian because you've given them scientific evidence or manuscript evidence, archaeological evidence. That person comes to Jesus Christ because God has rent their heart, they've been convicted of their sin, they see themselves as they really are, and they've called upon the name of Jesus Christ. That is a work of God alone. For Paul says some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. We've all experienced what we share with somebody and they're just hard nuts to crack, aren't they? It just seems like there's no hope for them. And then later on you'll hear, hey, Joe got saved. No, not him. <laughs> because we struck out, we thought that guy was impossible. And without knowing it, we're thinking we're the ones that saved. Salvation depends upon our ability and people yielding to us. No, it's God. As a matter of fact, most of the time when you start to preach and to minister to your family, most likely your family members will not come through you. They'll probably have to come through somebody else. Because you know why? You're too close to them and they know you. And they think you're into one more thing. <laughs> but they're more open with somebody else. And sometimes... I mean, it's just a, a, a real nonchalant, just real light witness. And God just whoop, zaps them and they're born again. That's the work of God. And so as preaching goes forth, that's why the gift of evangelism is, is just such a, a tremendous gift. As you see it go forth, it's amazing as people respond. That's a good step as you see people respond. But again, you cannot stop there because there are many people who make altar calls, many people that, that go to ministries that are real evangelical. But the thing is, where are they now? You know, here there were multitudes with Jesus. As he taught his disciples, the multitudes were around. As he comes down from the Sermon on the Mount, it says the multitudes followed him in verse 1 of chapter 8. 
But where were the multitudes when he was crucified? Where were the multitudes when he was being accused? They were saying, crucify him. And so you have multitudes who come and go. But see, disciples come out from the multitudes and they move from preaching and they move into teaching to grow and to mature in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this is the second aspect of the ministry of Jesus Christ. It says Jesus taught in their synagogues. The synagogue was a place for learning. Remember in our introduction before we started Matthew, we said the synagogue started somewhere between the 400 years of silence, probably out of the Babylonian experience. And um, they had no temple. And so they began to study the scriptures. They knew they had gone into captivity because of disobedience to the scriptures. And so we see the synagogue appearing uh, after the Babylonian captivity. And we see it's a place where people come to study the word. But again, if the focus is always just study, 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 and there is no application, and there is no vision for the lost, then that teaching becomes very stagnant, very self-righteous, very academic, and it becomes ineffective in the life of believers. And so there's always a danger to just becoming academic in the Word of God. It's almost like being stagnant, being powerless. It's like walking outside and saying, look, I got a new car. And you show them the car, flashy wheels, new interior, leather, just beautiful, all the stuff. And, and the guy said, well, let's go take a ride. He said, well, I don't have no gas. <laughs> I mean, what good does the car do you? No gas. And many a Christian are like that. They can give you an answer for the reason the hope that lies in them. Great, I commend you. But there's no power in your life. There's no vision. There's no extension beyond yourself. And you move within a very limited, confined group of the church. You have no worldview, no community view, no view for the lost, no vision. The proverb says, well, there's no vision that people perish. The synagogue was also a place of community. It was a place where the people of God could rub elbows. We come simply not just to be taught, but we come to rub elbows with one another. To be able to pray for one another, to be able to encourage one another, to be able to just uh, uh, fellowship with one another so that we can see what God is doing in our lives. To see God moving in people's lives and to be there for the people when things don't go right. It's a community. It's a family. That's the imagery that we've seen through the scriptures. It's interesting that once you come to Christ, sometimes you feel more close to the church than you do your own family if your family does not know Christ. Because it's almost like you're a stranger in your own home. They don't understand you. They think you're weird. They think you flipped out. They think you smoked the big one. And that's it. You know. And there's always that pressure from the world and from family to keep you dead in trespasses and sins. Not always maliciously. They care to maintain their family unity, their family uh, circle. And when something comes from the outside and intervenes and invades it, they feel threatened. They feel a personal betrayal. But yet, as you have heard the gospel, there's a stern conviction in your heart and mind that we can be, do nothing but 
obey Jesus Christ. And there is a kinship, there is a, a closeness that is affiliated with the Christian because we have the same Father. We understand what's happening. We see around the world. We know the reality of the world. And we're not blinded any longer by the grace of God. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the family of God. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging study from the book of Matthew called The Ministry of Jesus. It's available on CD for just $4. And why not request an additional copy to share with someone in your church or Bible study? The title to ask for once again is The Ministry of Jesus. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Now, while here on earth, Jesus focused on three aspects of ministry, and He left this example as a model for the church to follow today. Learn more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com